we move on to the last segment of our class tonight, when the Prophet makes contact with Quraysh. So when the Prophet settled in Hudaybiyah, he made it very clear that he has not come to fight. He wanted to assure the Quraysh that he simply wants to make the pilgrimage, the Umrah. So it has been reported that the Prophet said, if Quraysh demand from me today something which strengthens the ties of kinship, brings us closer to the Meccans, I will give it to them and I shall adopt a conciliatory attitude. In other words, despite what the Quraysh have done and they've killed so many innocent Muslims, I am willing to make peace with them. The Prophet is now sending a positive signal to Quraysh, I'm not here to fight. So after that, a group of people from Mecca, they come to meet the Prophet. They were a group of men from the tribe of Khuza'a, led by a man called Budayl ibn Warqa. It seems from various reports that these people were somewhat loyal to the Prophet and they would sometimes bring him news from the Meccans. Now were they Muslim or not? It's not clear. Maybe they were Muslims secretly, maybe not, but they respected the Prophet. Budayl, the leader of this delegation, said to the Prophet, the Meccans have mobilized people and they are prepared to block you from entering Mecca. I'll be honest with you. They're willing to go to war with you to stop you. So they're not going to welcome you. The Prophet said to Budayl, but we have not come to fight anyone. We want to circulate around the Kaaba. If someone fights us, sure, we'll defend ourselves. But that's not our intent. Then the Prophet tells Budayl, the Quraysh has suffered from fighting. They fought so much, aren't they tired of fighting? And if they wish, I'll make a truce with them. In return, let them leave us alone. Let us go and do the pilgrimage. I, I am willing to make peace with Quraysh, despite what they've done. Budayl and his men said, we understand what you have said. So they returned to Mecca. And they wanted to inform the Quraysh of their conversation with the Prophet. But Budayl realized that the Quraysh were not interested in asking him about the Prophet. You know, sometimes you go on a delegation, you come back, the first thing the people ask you, hey, what's up, what happened, give us the news. The Quraysh were silent. They were not even interested in asking them what happened. So Budayl, when he realized they're not asking him any questions, he told them, Inna ji'na min indi Muhammad. We just came back from Muhammad. Don't you want us to tell you something about what happened? So Akrama, the son of Abu Jahl, this evil pagan, Al-Hakam ibn Abi al-As, another evil pagan, they said, no, we're not interested, don't bother. But if you like, go and tell Muhammad, he is not welcome to enter Mecca this year. If he tries, we will fight him. That's our message. One of the people there from the Mushrikeen, his name was Urwa ibn Mas'ud, he spoke. He told them, look guys, why don't you listen to Budayl? Let's hear what he has to say. If what he has to say makes sense, accept it. If it doesn't, reject it. Let the guy speak. Let him tell you what he said with the Prophet. They said, okay, fine. Say what you want to say. Budayl said very clearly, Muhammad has not come to fight. He simply wants to observe the pilgrimage with his companions. And I was able to verify that with the Prophet. The Quraysh said, no, we doubt 
his intentions, we doubt the Muslims, let's send another messenger to verify this for us, that the Prophet is not here to fight. So one of the people they send is a man by the name of Hulays ibn Alqama. He was the chief archer of Arabia, a very skilled archer, shoot, shoots arrows. Now he came to see the Prophet, but he didn't actually end up meeting the Prophet. He saw the Prophet from a distance. Now before he came, the Prophet said, this man Hulays, he belongs to a pure and pious tribe, meaning a good decent tribe sacrifice the camels before him so that he can be assured we're not here to fight and that our only objective is to do the pilgrimage. Hulay saw 70 camels which were so hungry that they were eating the wool of one another. He returned from that spot and did not even need to meet, to, to meet the Prophet according to Ibn Ishaq. Why? Hulay saw the following, he saw the camels with items hanging around their neck. This is called qala'id. When you want to dedicate a sheep or a camel for the hajj, and you're bringing the sheep with you in hajj al-qiran, you put a sign around the neck. You, you hang an item around their neck. This means I'm here to do the pilgrimage. I'm here to sacrifice the animal. And then he saw the camels eating each other's wool. So they were very hungry. These are all indications you're not here to fight because if you're, if you're here to fight, you bring strong camels, you feed them well, you're ready to go. You don't put these items around their neck. That means they're not even prepared to fight. They're not in a state to fight. And then he also notices, Hulays, that the people were dusty in their ihram. Like, no, you don't look like fighters. That's not how you come to war. So he yelled. He went back to Mecca and he said, Subhanallah. You should not block these people from coming to the Kaaba. How is it that all these tribes like Kinda, Humair and others, they're allowed to come to the Kaaba and the children of Abdul Muttalib, the leader of Bani Hashim, who was a very respected figure amongst us, they're not allowed to come and do the pilgrimage? That's not fair. Allah is not happy with us for doing this. They're just coming to do the pilgrimage. So the Prophet, when he heard that from a distance, he affirmed. He said, yes, exactly, we're not here to fight. So he goes back, you know, when he, go, when he enters Mecca and he, seats, uh, and he sees the Quraysh, he tells them, Hulays tells them, look, I know I'm your ally, but that's not what I signed up for. You don't have the right to block Muhammad from doing the pilgrimage. And I'm making an oath. If you will block him, I'll turn against you and I'll fight you. He now begins to threaten Quraysh because he saw the Prophet coming peacefully. Now the Quraysh, they were disturbed by the words of Hulays, but they don't want him to oppose them and mobilize their men. They told him, look, calm down, calm down. We'll figure out a solution. In other words, don't get involved. Let us handle it. Then the elites of Quraysh, such as Akraba and others, they insisted on their position. No, Muhammad is not welcome, we're not going to let him enter. Urwa, there was a suggestion that now he goes and verifies the news with the Prophet, because it seems like the Quraysh, they were still not convinced. No, we still doubt all these reports. 
Now, it seems that Urwa in the beginning, he was hesitant to go because he knows that the Quraysh are going to reject him just like they rejected the previous messengers. So what's the point? So Urwa, what does he tell the Meccans? He tells them, do you trust me? He said, yes, we trust you. Don't you admit that I have supported you in the past and I have sacrificed everything for you? They said, yes, we admit. He said, look, I'm going to be sincere with you and give you the best advice. Budail, when he came, after meeting the Prophet, he came with a great offer. No sound person would reject this offer, meaning you can't rush to accuse the Prophet that he's coming here to fight. We have to verify why he's here. So send me Urwa, whom you guys trust, to verify that with the Prophet. I will act for your interests and come back. Quraysh said, okay, we'll accept, we'll accept you as the arbitrator. Urwa, who's a pagan, he comes to meet the Prophet. He says to the Prophet, Look, I left Quraysh fully prepared to fight you. They are armed. They have made an oath that they will not let you get to the Kaaba unless you fight them and there's bloodshed. So you have two outcomes ahead of you. Look at the approach Urwa takes. So you have two outcomes ahead of you. Either you enter Mecca and fight your own people, your own kin, and it is unheard of that a noble man from Mecca has ever done that to his family. In other words, he's telling the Prophet, it's shameful if you come and fight your own people. You're going to come in your own city and fight your own people? That's shameful. Who fights his own people? Nobody has done that before you. Now, unfortunately, it slipped his mind, Urwa, that it was the Quraysh treating the Prophet in a, in a shameful way. Who does that to his own people too? So that's the first option and I'm sure you're not going to do that because you're a decent man. Or the other option, your companions will betray you and abandon you. I swear I don't see any prominent people with you. I see people who are low, awbash, they come from low tribes. Hence they can easily flee, that's what awbash means. There's nothing that unites them. Now he forgot that the strongest uniter is iman and faith. Then he said, I don't know them and I don't know their tribes. It seemed there maybe their faces were covered. So he couldn't really know who they are. And then he says to the Prophet, they will betray you. If you meet your Quraysh, believe me, your people will surrender you and you'll be taken as a captive by Quraysh. What was Urwa trying to do here? He wanted to scare the Prophet and Muslims. Don't think of going there. Little, these are your men? These are your men? They're not going to defend you, they're going to surrender you. So Urwa was trying to come up with a creative strategy to convince the Prophet not to come to Mecca because he knows the arrogant Quraysh are not going to let him in. He knows if the Prophet enters Mecca, there's going to be war. He knew that. So he's like, let me demoralize Muhammad and his... Urwa knew the Prophet was a decent man, he knew that. But he's like, let me demoralize him so we just avoid this. This was his strategy. So Urwa used all the arts of his diplomacy in his speech. He tried to prove the strength of Quraysh to weaken the morale of the Prophet. He even tried to degrade the Prophet and the Muslims, all with the intention of stopping them and so they would go back. Now there are some claims that Mughira ibn Shu'ba or Mughira ibn Shu'ba, he repeatedly struck the hand of Urwa and he told Urwa, be respectful and don't misbehave towards the Prophet. 
Basically what Urwa was doing according to these reports, when he was yelling at the Prophet, your people, they're gonna surrender you, the Quraysh are strong, he would touch the Prophet's beard. He would touch his beard and talk to him like that. These reports say that in the, hist in the biography of the Prophet. So Mughayra told him, be respectful, you know, don't do that. Urwa asked the Prophet, who is he? Who's this guy? Right? And then Urwa says, I don't think there is someone more evil and wretched this, than this man. Who is he? <laughs> the Prophet smiled. Why, did the, why do you think the Prophet smiled? See, even though Mughayra, we believe Mughayra was a hypocrite, right? Sunnis may have respect for him, we don't. He committed crimes after the Prophet. We believe Mughayra was a hypocrite. The hypocrites, sometimes they act tough. But no, don't disrespect the Prophet. He's trying to make himself feel important. But when Urwa, that pagan, said about Mughira, who is this man? I've never seen someone more evil and wretched than him. The Prophet smiled. Because it's true. <laughs> it's true, you know. What is the Prophet going to do? I mean, imagine Rasulullah, haram. When he says no Prophet has been hurt as... On one side you have a mushrik, on one side you have a munafiq. You're between a mushrik and a munafiq. Like what do you do? You can't call out Mughayra because he's acting like he's supporting you. So you know you have to go with the outside appearance. But then the Prophet knows that Mughayra is evil. <laughs> and so what Urwa said is true, so the Prophet just smiles. He doesn't say anything. The Prophet tells Urwa, you didn't recognize him? This is your nephew, Mughayra ibn Shu'ba. He's your nephew. Apparently, maybe he had his face covered, so he didn't recognize him. Urwa was very displeased. He told, he told his nephew, oh you cunning person, I purchased your honor yesterday. How? What happened? Mughayra had killed 13 people from the tribe of Thaqif. This is before he became Muslim. This is a short time before embracing Islam. And so his uncle had to pay the diya, the blood money. <laughs> so he tells him, just yesterday you killed 13 people from the tribe of Thaqif and I am the poor one who had to pay the diya, the blood money on your behalf. And in order to prevent you know, the flames of war that you started amongst the families of Thaqif. Now you're here. <laughs> so there was that heated exchange between them. But then Urwa realizes something unusual. Urwa realized that the respect the Prophet commanded amongst his companions was something he'd never seen before. The Prophet did wudu in front of Urwa and some companions came fighting each other to seek the blessings of those falling drops of wudu. When the Prophet would speak, they'd lower their voice. Any hair that would fall from the Prophet, they'd take it. In any case, the Prophet tells him, we want to do the pilgrimage, we don't intend to fight, but if someone fights, we'll defend ourselves. Urwa comes back to Quraysh. He told them, look my people, I have the best advice for you. I have seen kings, Caesars, right? Najashi, emperors, I've seen them all and I swear by God, never have I seen a king in my life who is so respected, Salaamu Alaikum, who is so respected like this man Muhammad amongst his companions. Never have I seen 
People respect their kings like that. When he wanted to do wudu, washing himself, people would kill each other to get those drops. They'd fight to snatch that strand of hair. That's how much they love the Prophet. You don't want to fight a man like that, trust me. And by the way, there is undeniable evidence that you can do tabarruk and seek the blessings um, from the awliya, the prophets, the imams, whether they are alive or dead. Because other Muslims, they call this shirk. If you seek the barakah from something, right? No, 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 this is shirk if you go to the shrine and you touch it, asking Allah for barakah. How do you explain what the companions did with the prophet? The companions of the prophet would still seek his blessings after he passed away. I'll share with you an example. Sirah Halabiya mentions this. Musnad Ahmad ibn Hanbal mentions this. Bukhari mentions this too. What do they mention? That Um Salama, the wife of the Prophet, she had kept some, some strands of hair from the Prophet in a jar. They call this jar Jaljal. That's what it's mentioned in Bukhari and these other books. It's like a jar. Any of the companions who would be, who would get sick, who would be struck with a spell, evil eye, whatever it is. Basically, she would take a bucket with water in it. She take some of the prophet's hair and she dip it in that water and then they would give it to that companion. To drink it, he would be healed. This is Sunni source of hadith, not Shia source of hadith. So if the prophet's hair has barakah and I go to his shrine, and I want to touch his shrine, you come and you whip me, you disrespect me, whose sunnah are you following? Let these Muslims come and seek the, no one's worshipping the Prophet, you ignorant people, who's worshipping the Prophet? If the Prophet's hair after he dies has barakah, you don't think the dust he's buried in has barakah? But look at their arrogance, these Wahhabis. So when the Quraysh heard that, they're like, oh wow, you know, we're no match for this man. This made Quraysh even fear the Prophet more and to take him more uh, seriously. Because materialistically, nothing made sense. Muhammad is just an orphan who never had an army. Army, He was poor. How did he command such respect? Like what does he have that we don't have? This frustrated the Quraysh. So he told them, this man is so respected and if you think you can easily fight him, think twice. Even the woman with him, they're willing to sacrifice their lives for him. That's what I saw. I saw a woman there in Hudaybiyah with the Prophet, they're willing to die for him. These companions are willing to die for him. Do not fight him. That is the best advice I can give you. Let him come. He has just come for the Umrah. Don't mess with this man. So Urwa, who, is, who was wise, he tried to convince the Quraysh to let the Prophet enter Mecca. So initially, he tried to demoralize the Prophet as you saw, but then he's like, you know, that, that strategy is not working. So he told his people, just back off. But the Quraysh, they were not happy. They told him, Ya Aba Ya'fur, that was his kunya, his title. Urwa's kunya was Aba Ya'fur. You're saying this? You're saying this? Never. Look, this year he's not coming to Mecca. Next year maybe, we'll consider. But this year, Muhammad is not entering Mecca. He told them, and I swear a, a calamity is going to strike you. 
you will be humiliated. He got so upset, he took his men and they went to Ta'if, their tribe. It's like, I have nothing to do with you anymore. Inshallah, next week we'll see the events that unfolded and what happened further at Hudaybiyah. وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين